All right, well, listen, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, uh, open them up, if you will, to John chapter 11. And if you don't, that's okay, because we'll have stuff up on the screen for you uh, to look at. Today is Easter Sunday. This is the Super Bowl of all Sundays. Amen? And we have a reason to be excited today, because uh, no matter what happens in this world, we know that we have a Savior who is there. We know that we have a Savior who is uh, watching and who is in control of everything, especially when things are out of control. Amen? Amen. Now, and, uh, there's a story. There was a five-year-old girl, and she was coming back from the funeral of her grandmother. And she was riding in the car with her other grandmother, and as they're driving home, the little girl says, Grandma, she says, "Um, where did Grandma go when she died? And her grandmother responded, and she said, well, we believe that she went to be with Jesus in heaven. And she said, well, how old was Grandma? And she said, she was 80 years old. And the little girl thought, and she said, well, Grandma, how old are you? And her grandma said, well, I'm 83 years old. And the little girl thought about that for a moment, and she said, Grandma, I I hope God didn't forget you. (laughs) Now, the story we're going to look at this morning, you're going to get the idea that Mary and Martha totally thought that Jesus had forgotten about them. Because in John chapter 11, if you've not read John chapter 11, do it today. I love to do it now, but we got way too much going on. It is one of the coolest chapters in the New Testament. It is one of the most exciting chapters in the New Testament. Because this is the story of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. All right? You really need to read the story. We're just going to take a look at two verses in this passage uh, today. In John chapter 11, in verses 25 through 26, the Bible says this. Jesus is talking to Martha. Martha has confronted Jesus about where were you when Lazarus was sick? Uh, We knew that you knew that he was sick and you didn't show up. You could have healed him. Where were you at? And Jesus responds to her and he says to Martha, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he says these four words. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And you can see the setting. Because here is Martha Mary was still back at the house. We don't know why she stayed there. Maybe she didn't hear that Jesus was coming into town finally. Because when you read this story, when Jesus was notified that Lazarus was sick and near dying, the Bible says he stayed an additional four days where he was at. So in other words, he, wasn't, he was not only making it a point to not show up when they wanted him to, He was making it a point to not show up at all. But there was a reason for that, which, of course, we know what that reason is. Now, 
I want us today to take a look at Easter's bottom line question. Because we're here on Easter. Uh, this is an Easter moment right here, especially for Lazarus. But today I want us to take a look at Easter's bottom line question. It is the question that Jesus asked uh, at Bethany that day, the town of Bethany, when after he proclaimed that he himself is the resurrection and the life. He's the resurrection. That's, that's an event that every single one of us in this room, we hope to attain to. And we can have that hope when we give our lives to Christ. And that's what Jesus is saying. But he posed it in a question. And he did it at a really odd time. Martha's devastated. Her brother's already been buried. And uh, he asked Martha the million-dollar question. Do you believe this? Now, you know, the resurrection is the one event that separates Jesus from every single other religious figure, guru, prophet, um, uh, and, and everyone else that has ever come down the pike throughout history. Jesus is different. And we know that Jesus is different because of everyone you can think of, both good and bad. Jesus is the only one that came out of the grave. He is the only one who had the authority who came from the grave. The only one. The only one. So that's what makes Jesus so different. Now our text today finds us in the city of Bethany. The Lord is standing at this moment right here. He is standing at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. There's many who are in the graves around Lazarus. Now think about that for a moment too. But he's standing there and he says, I am. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Will never die. And then he looks into their faces just like he's looking into your heart right now, right where you sit, and he asked the same question of you this morning. Do you believe this? I mean, do you really, do you believe this? Now, when you read this text, you have to wonder, now I want, you, I want everyone here to think about this for a moment. Put yourself here in this spot. When Jesus asked this question, do you believe this, how did he ask it? How did he ask that question? I mean, we know how serious life is, especially when you go to a funeral. Because you are forced to have to, to soak in what is taking place. How did Jesus ask this question? Did he ask it, do you believe this? Did he emphasize you? After all, it is a personal question. Do you believe this? Did he ask it this way? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Because it is very pointed. It's not just personal you, but it's pointed at belief. Or maybe he asked it this way. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? It's because it's precise. My hope is that at the end of the service today, all of us can answer 
in the fashion that Martha did when she responded to Jesus' question and she said, yes, Lord, I do believe that you are the Christ, that you are the Son of God who has come into the world. So in your bulletin, let's take a look at the points. The first one is it is personal. It is personal. Do you believe this? Maybe Jesus put the inflection on the you uh, in this question to make it personal. After all, salvation or saving faith in Jesus uh, and the finished work of who Jesus is and what he did on that cross, that is what matters most. We cannot ride the coattails of people who are close to us who are walking with Jesus and hope to get in. And I think many of you know what I mean when I say that. I run into people all the time who are religious acting, but they don't have the relationship with Jesus, but they can pick up how to act like a Christian, how to talk like a Christian, even how to think like a Christian. Why? Because they run in circles with those who know Jesus, but for themselves, they have never made it their faith they ride the coattails if you will of their mom of a, of a grandparent maybe their pastor their student pastor or maybe their spouse and they're riding that coattail thinking as long as i run and rub shoulders with these kinds of people i'm going to get in and it's easy to convince themselves that what they have is genuine because they feel good but they've never made it their faith. Let me ask you this morning. At what age, at what point in your life did you make Christianity your faith? You're believing it not just because someone told you about it. You're believing it because you found out this is where it's at. This is where I'm putting all my money at. It's right here. I'm going to lose everything if this isn't real. At what point in your life did you make following Jesus, faith in Jesus, I'm going to surrender to Jesus, I'm going to repent of my sins, and I'm going to follow Jesus, when did you make it yours? You will know because you were there when it happened. I was 19 years old, I was in college when, when that happened to me. Wasn't necessarily raised in a Christian home. My grandparents were Christians, but they live a long ways off. And so it was just live life. But when I accepted Christ when I was 19 years old, everything radically, radically changed. It's because it's personal. When Jesus comes to you, you will change. Because he's not going to leave you the way that he found you. Amen? Amen. That's good news. And today the claims of Christ are under attack like never before. Moral relativism seems to be the accepted approach for today because absolute truth must be done away with. TV shows and movies and document documentaries um, are constantly changing the narrative of who Jesus is or what Jesus did. Or the, the latest thing that they found which throws a wrench into the gospel narrative of who Jesus is. Stay tuned at 7 o'clock. It's all garbage. It's all garbage. It's all, all garbage. 
the story of the resurrection of Christ is no fable. It is more historical. There are more facts that surround the resurrection of Christ than George Washington being our first president. There's more facts. We talked about that last week. If ever you're bored and you want to, go online and you can hear the message of last week. Following Christ as an intellectual faith based upon real, historical, proven facts. But you still must accept it by faith. You still have to accept it by faith. Christianity is not a blind faith. It is based on facts. It's not a fable. But you have to make it personal. You have to make it your own. Number two, it is pointed it is pointed. Do you believe this? See, when Jesus asked this question, maybe he added the inflection and emphasis on the word believe. After all, faith is the acceptable response to the Christian gospel. He was not inquiring of his followers and his hearers as to whether they were giving an intellectual assent to his claims, but he wanted to know if they would trust in Him and take Him at His word, do you believe? It is one thing to know the gospel story intellectually. You can even argue for it apologetically, and you can even reason about it. Did you know, did you know that it is possible to conform to the truth of the gospel without ever being transformed by the gospel. That's why it's scary to not make it your faith, but you run with those who are dedicated to the faith. Because you can convince yourself of something that you don't have. Have you transferred your trust? Have you transferred your trust from yourself and your own good efforts over to Jesus Christ alone, Him alone? Has this saving faith, this resurrected life, this Christ in me experience, has it taken a hold of you, impacted you, and changed you? Do you believe this? And then we see that it is precise. Do you believe this? Now we're going to come to the heart of the issue. For true faith is based and must rest on objective uh, truth. What you're going to believe in has to be clearly defined. It may be uh, that the Lord's inflection on this Easter question, the bottom line question, His emphasis was on His last word. Do you believe this? What, we ask. What is this? What does this mean? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. So let's define what this is this morning. Number one, he made a claim about his deity. His deity. Jesus said on that day to Martha... I am. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you know that when he used that phrase, I am, 
it captured the attention of everyone around. They were all Jews. They're all familiar with those two words, I am. To us, we hear it and it's just in and out. doesn't do a thing to us, but it did to them. Why? Because of the name that God took for himself in the Old Testament. You know the story. When Moses went up on the mountain and he saw the bush and it was burning, and the Bible says he was drawn to it because it was on fire, but it wasn't burning up. So he goes to it, God starts speaking to him. Obviously, his life changes from a shepherd to the person that we know that he became in the Bible. And as God told Moses, Moses, you're going to go back to Egypt. And Moses, you're going to talk to Pharaoh, and you're going to tell him, let my people go. Of course, you get all the look. How many of y'all saw the Ten Commandments last night? Any of you? I'm the only weird one in here. Charlton Heston is a stud in that movie. It's kind of corny now when you look at some of the scenes, but powerful scene. And as he goes back to Egypt and he approaches Pharaoh, Moses is asking God, well, you got to give me your name. i got to tell Pharaoh who it is that is sending me to you to tell the, 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 the Pharaoh to let the people go. What is your name, God? And God's answer, I am. That's kind of comical when you think about it because if I'm standing there, I'm waiting. I am. That was it. Tell him, I am has sent you. Okay. And he did. You know what's interesting? When you look at that I am that God gave Moses for his name to tell Pharaoh, I am has sent me to you, let my people go. Jesus is standing there that day at the grave. And what does he say? I'm going to tell you much more of what he says. Take a look up at the screen at all of the I am usages that we read in the book of John alone. Seven times the word I am affirmation is recorded in John's gospel. In John chapter 6, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In John 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In John 10, he said, I am the door. John 10, he says, I am the chief shepherd. In John 14, he proclaimed, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes unto the Father except by me. It's only by Jesus, and that's it. That's it. And then in John 15, we hear him say, I am the true vine. And here on this Easter text, he states, I am the resurrection and the life. He is the great I am. And he is not the great I was. And he is still I am today, this day, right now. You know, we first heard God use that term, and it became a holy term. And the people that day, they took it as such. And Jesus used it in this most powerful setting in a graveyard, a big graveyard. And he declared, I am. I am. When Jesus made this statement, everyone recognized and affirmed Jesus is talking about deity. 
his claim is about deity in this passage right here. You know, the most fundamental belief of the Christian faith is that Jesus Christ is God himself. That is why the Apostle Paul said in the book of Colossians, he is the image of the invisible God. All things were created by him and for him in Colossians chapter 1. It was this faith, deity, of who Jesus was. He's God that literally cost the lives of every single disciple except for John. Every single disciple in the Bible was killed, was murdered because of their belief in who Jesus said he was. You know, Jesus wasn't crucified for something that he did. Now, y'all know that. Why was Jesus crucified? He was crucified because of who he said he was, which to the Jews is blasphemous. We know who you are. You're Joseph and Mary's boy. You're the carpenter kid. But to call himself God is blasphemy. And that costs the lives of the disciples, his deity. Think of it this way. Like most people today, I use a credit card. When I go to make a purchase, I will give them the card, and they will accept that card as cash. Now, that plastic card, it has no intrinsic value uh, in it whatsoever. It's just a piece of plastic. But it is accepted. Why is it accepted? It is because it is a forerunner of the true cash payment that is going to come when I receive my monthly bill. And until then, that credit card literally covers, it covers my purchase. In the same manner, the old covenant covered, if you will, the sins of the people who were looking for the Messiah yet to come. And when Jesus came, he made the final payment for the sins of the world. Amen? Amen. And when Martha proclaimed, I believe that you are the Christ, she was literally proclaiming on that day, Yes, Lord, I believe you are, I am. Who is Jesus to you on this Easter Sunday morning? Is he merely just some figure in history? Or can you say with Martha, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the one sent from God who is to come into the world. Do you believe this, this, this identity? Number two, his claim about death. When we look at this question, do you believe this? We look at deity. We need to take a look at his claim about death. Though he may die, as Jesus said. You know, many people today live their lives in total denial of their coming appointment with death. Jesus says that one of the facts of life is in knowing that we're going to die. Do you believe this? And many people today, in fact, I would venture to say that most people today avoid this question uh, and others that are like it. Why? Because it's scary. We don't want to think about that time when it comes, let us sink in for a moment. 
do you believe this? There's a poem I saw one time. It really applies to this. You'll see it on the screen, and it says this. Life is just a minute, only 60 seconds in it. Force upon you, can't refuse it. Didn't seek, and you didn't choose it. But it's up to you to use it. And you must suffer if you lose it. Give an account if you abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but eternity, eternity is in it. You know, the death rate for the human race is 100%. Aren't you glad you came to Red Baptist this morning to hear this really encouraging news? Isn't this good? I'm glad I came. I'm coming back next year. You know, one out of one will die. Three people every second on this planet. 180 every minute. 11,000 every hour. 250,000 every day. Most people feel like Dr. B. R. Lakin, who once said, if I knew where I was going to die, I wouldn't go there. And you wouldn't either. Neither would I. You can eat all the right vitamins. You can work out. You can get the latest whatever to to improve your life. You can even opt for plastic surgery. You can affect many things about your life and your well-being, but ultimately, none of us are going to escape the grave. The Bible says that death is our final enemy, but the Bible makes it very clear that Jesus conquered that enemy. Amen? Amen. And that's a huge amen, because he did beat that enemy. The Bible makes this clear. Thank you, Christy. Death is the real common denominator of all men. And if you don't believe it, just pick up the obituary section sometime uh, today. It's in the newspaper, if you remember what the newspaper was. On the society page, you will read about only one class of people. In the business section, you will read about those who are excelling in various professions. My favorite In the sports page section, you're going to read about those who are athletically gifted. But on the obituary page of the newspaper, everyone is listed side by side and usually in a cold alphabetical order. The rich and the poor, they're right there, side by side. The talented And the not-so-talented are there side by side. The famous and the not-so-famous are there side by side. You see, death will knock at the door of the wealthiest billionaire or at the poorest peasant. And it sends them both to stand before the judge of all the earth. But do you know that when you have a relationship with Christ, when you give your life to Christ, you do realize that that judge, who is Jesus, becomes your Savior. And you do realize it's that same Savior 
uh, that the Bible says, wishes and desires no one to perish, but that everyone to come to repentance through Jesus Christ. He's got a desire. He's got a drive. He's got a purpose. He's got a want. He's got a love for you to know him. The reason why you're born is because he puts you here. Colossians talks about that. All things by him and for him have been made. And here we are. You really think that he doesn't love you enough that he didn't die on that cross so that you could be with him for all of eternity? There was no way we could get there if he didn't come down here. There's no way. Because none of us are good enough. None of us are perfect. And it took a perfect sacrifice. His death. And then last, his claim about destiny. Do you believe this? Though he were dead, yet shall he live, as it says. It is strange how so many people live their lives as if this right here, this earth, this is all there is. All there is to life is what we see down here. It's amazing. Jesus indicated here that even though death is a sure thing, we're going to live again somewhere. The body may indeed die, but the spirit, not that part of you that will live as long as God lives, and then one day be reunited with a glorified body for the endless ages of eternity, that is going to happen. Do you believe his claim that even though we may die, we will in fact live again? That is Easter's bottom line question, and it's for you. And you have to answer that question. I want you to consider a hypothetical conversation between a mother and her unborn child. In just a few more days, she's talking to her baby in the womb. In just a few more days, you're going to be born, the mother exclaims. But I don't want to be born. I don't want to leave this womb. I like it here. It is comfortable. It's warm. I feel secure. It's pretty cozy. A little tight, but cozy. I like this, argues the soon-to-be-born baby. But the mom will continue. But you don't realize what you're missing. There's a lot of laughter and there's a lot of sunshine. And you've got brothers and you've got sisters. And they can't wait to play with you. Oh, and the toys. You have no idea what you're missing out on. The toys. But the debate will continue with the baby. Arguing, not wanting to leave. Because this is all the baby knows. The baby doesn't have a, an inkling of an idea what's taking place outside some of us today we struggle against the thought of death because in the same way and we have the same ignorance why we do not understand easter's bottom line question we just don't and the accompanying fact with it though we shall die Yet shall we live. 
So the real question for us on this Easter morning is what are you doing about that part of us, about that part of you, what are you doing about that part that's going to last forever? I understand that today there may be some who do not wish to want to think about these things, but the reality of what awaits every single one of us in this room compels me to ask you this question this morning. Easter confronts us with a question for eternity. Do you believe this? It is personal. Do you believe it? It is pointed. Do you believe? And it is precise. Do you believe this?